this is part two of what I spoke on last week. Because you see, understanding how God treated us, we're supposed to learn from that and develop in our own life some of the characteristics of the Lord so that we will be like the Lord. Now, we're not the Lord, and we can't do everything exactly like he did. Uh, he could walk on water, and I could not. But number one, when God forgives you, it is complete. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, means made you alive with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, this is something God can do. We have a difficult problem doing that with people who wrong us. We may forgive some and then not others. We may forgive certain sins and then not others. So we're not exactly like the Lord. It would be wonderful if we all were able to totally be complete in our forgiveness. When God forgave us, it was because of grace. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. Mean because of the payment Christ made for us, the forgiveness of sins. God could not forgive you of your sins if He had not made a payment for your sins. So the only reason God can forgive us is because a debt was paid for your sins and for my sins. He that sinneth, the soul that sinneth shall die. And so because of what Christ has done for us, we can have this free gift of everlasting life. We get to go to heaven because I've been forgiven of all my sins. I'm not going to heaven because of anything that I've done or ever will do. It is unequal. It means nobody can do what God has done. Nobody can go to the extent that he has. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. You and I should understand that we don't always forgive everybody because we don't always like to bestow mercy. We love having something on somebody that we can say they wronged me and feel justified in the way that we are. So this is why it's very difficult for us. But the more you study the Word of God, study about the Lord, the more you will see how God is and how we are supposed to be. Now, you'd be surprised, the things that are happening today in our homes, families with their kids, jobs, even in churches, people are not developing spiritually. We would think something is wrong if little children do not develop. God wants us to develop spiritually. That means becoming some of the characteristics that Christ had and having those in our life. In your quest to serve the Lord, wouldn't it be great if the Lord sent to you someone? Because wouldn't you like to be able to be like God in the sense that you'd love to have someone so wrong you that you could display forgiveness, display mercy, wouldn't you like to be able to bestow something on somebody? It's by grace, and they didn't deserve it at all. So you know, God may allow somebody to come along to really hurt you, to really wrong you deeply, so that you have an opportunity to manifest 
the love of God, or how gracious God is, how merciful God is. I'm a preacher. I've talked to many couples about marriage, divorce, remarriage, all those things. Kids, you name it. I get a chance to hear it all. And I've heard just about everything. And I think sometimes I've seen marriages totally crumble and fall apart. Kids against parents, parents against All because some little bitty thing that was never resolved. Some little hurt, some little bitterness that springs up and does a lot of damage. And then after a while, I've had guys say, I, I don't know what happened. I don't even remember how it started. Because it was some little thing that we let inflame. And so this message is really about how to poison yourself. Not others. How do you poison yourself? Well, we must serve the Lord. And I wrote this years ago. We must serve the Lord as though we've never been hurt or you'll never serve the Lord. And you won't be worth a quarter if you've never been hurt. You have to know what it's like to be rejected, to have people stab you in the back, to cut and criticize, to be bitter towards you. If you've never had that happen, you haven't lived yet. You've got to be able to live in such a way that people are offended by your righteous life. Those that live godly will suffer persecution. God's will it certain. And he is the propitiation or the payment for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That means that if he is the payment for our sin, and it's not just for us, and to some people say, well, he just died for the elect. Okay, let's just say he is the propitiation for our sins. We're the elect. But then he says, but also for the sins of the whole world. Duh. He died for everybody. Everyone sins. It is infinite. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Because, you see, the Bible says that He has separated our sins from us and moved it as far as the east is from the west. So far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Never to be seen again. Never to be brought up again. They're placed in the depths of the sea. And I heard there's a place that they've never seen the depths yet. That's where mine is. It is merciful, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. Did you know that God is good and God is ready to forgive? And abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. You see, when Christ died on that cross and paid for all the sins of the world, it's so that he says in the book of Luke chapter 24, to go into all the world and preach the forgiveness of sin. You can be forgiven. Regardless of all the things you said, thought, and done against God. Just forget about what you did against people, what you did against God. And God says, I'll forgive it all. I will forgive it all as though you never did it. That's mercy. It is loving. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness. But thou hath in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hath cast all my sins behind thy back. In other words, it's moved on the other side. There's nothing between me and God. God has removed it. But for peace, I had bitterness. Bitterness is the poison from which 
the Bible says, is the root that many things come from. And I'll show you that in just a second. It is only through Jesus Christ. To Him give all the prophets witness that through His name, whosoever believeth in Him shall receive remission of sins. There is no other way to have your sins taken away or forgiven, or as we say, been washed from your sins. We often sing a song, I've been washed in the blood. You're not literally washed in blood. It means that He shed His blood in order to pay for your sins, so that if you believe He did it for you, He takes your sins away. They were paid for, and leaves you without a debt to pay. That's grace. You don't deserve it. I do not deserve it. That's because of His mercy. We deserve to go to hell, but we don't go there. It is only through faith alone, be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That's what all of this is about. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody just admit what sin is? But see, today we have people that don't believe there is such thing as sin. You see, there's no God. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no right and wrong. Therefore, there's nothing that we need to worry about. And so all the people who keep talking about this sin, we need to do away with them because they make us feel uncomfortable. We don't feel right. They make us feel guilty. Well, there's a way of removing this guilt. It's not denying what sin is. It's confessing that you are a sinner, and you are guilty, and you did do it. That's why you have a guilty complex. You're guilty. And by Him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. You and I can be justified just as if we had never done anything, because this is what Christ has done for us. You see, it is motivating. Great love toward God. It gives us this. I'll cover these verses later at a different time. But it also gives us a deep respect for the Lord. When you understand what God has done for you and forgiven you of all sin, and I know that I'm going to heaven. See, if He didn't forgive me for all sin, then I couldn't know if I'm going to heaven because if it would be one sin unforgiven, I couldn't go. But to say that I have eternal life and I know I'm going to heaven is because He's forgiven me of all my sins. That's such a motivating thing. The grace of God is the motivating factor in a person's life. And it causes you to have a deeper respect for God. Because if He paid for almost all my sins, but not all of them, He didn't do me any favors. I don't still have, He hasn't earned my respect if He only paid for some of my sins and left me to deal with the rest of them. But when He paid for all of them, it motivates gracious forgiveness toward others. You know why I'm so gracious and forgiving people who wrong me? Because He forgave me of mine. And because I know that it's true. And because He forgives me of every sin that I've ever done, I can forgive anybody of any sin. I don't care what you've done. You can lie about me and I'm not going to come after you. You can be bitter toward me and say hateful things about me. You can criticize me. You can do anything that you want to do. And I'm not going to retaliate against you. I forgive you. And I go on and live my life. I don't have to retaliate. I don't have to go get my gun. Because I've learned how to commit you to the Lord. And I trust that God will do a better job on you than me on you. I am not His avenging angel. And learn how to commit those things to the Lord. And you'll learn how to live. 
One of the problems among believers in Christ is these relational breakdowns. Now, like I've said before, husband and wife, that is your, your relationship between the two of you. One's the husband, one's the wife. That's your relationship. And when I was born into this world, there was my mom and my dad, and I was their child. I was their child. That's our relationship. I've got a mother and dad. We're related. You have an employer and employees. That's your relationship. And it can follow through in a lot of ways. But there's breakdowns in all of these things. I wish there were no breakdowns in the marriages. Now next week, I think it is, Betty and I will be married 55 years. You said, if you ever have any struggles, well, once or twice. You always agreed. Mm, yes. I agree with me and she agreed with her. <laughs> Sometimes we agree with each other. But in our families, our local churches, in our neighborhoods, on our job. Now, sometimes you're going to have problems and breakdowns because you're doing something right. You can stand for that which is right and suffer consequences, breakdowns, due to our stand for Jesus Christ and biblical principles. So you can suffer because of that, because you did what was right. Get what Jesus said. He says, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I come not to send peace, but a sword. Jesus, do you realize what you just said? He says, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I can understand that. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household, in your own family. Sometimes you can do right and suffer because you're doing what's right. And it can cause a breakdown. It's just like in a family, and Lord and behold, somebody witnesses, and the man trusts Christ as a Savior, and the wife does not. You have a believer and an unbeliever. Can that cause trouble? Uh, here he is, uh, uh, they are, and here's kids, they come to the ranch, they trust the Lord, they go home, and mommy and daddy hasn't trusted the Lord. Can there cause a division? And it can happen anywhere, at any time, with anybody. You can seek to do what's right, take a stand, and suffer for it. Now you ought to know that, you ought to understand that in advance. And when you know that and understand that in advance, you're going you're gonna to be... A person who is forgiving. You're not going to retaliate. You're not going to get, get even. Because you're going to remember there was somebody else that was here and people lied about him. They said all kinds of things against him. They even crucified him. And if they will do that to him who was perfect, why you get upset because you're a sinner? There may be some things that happen to you because you had it coming. Maybe you deserve it. But this is talking about because you did something that was right and you suffer the consequences. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. God doesn't want anyone putting anybody between you and him. You see, God's a very jealous God. You don't put your wife in front of God. 
Well, I love my wife more than I love... You shouldn't. Because, see, you can lose your wife, but you can't lose God. If you love God the way you should, you'll love your wife the way you should. But you can love your wife with whatever limited love you have and not love God. Loving God is learning how to love your wife and your children. You always put God first. And He'll teach you all the other things you know. And you put God first. And He says, if you don't love me more, you won't serve me. You'll serve them because you don't want to hurt them. But if you serve God, you may hurt them. Because they may not see and understand or agree. And you may have to take a strong stand and suffer consequences for it. Just understand that. Just because you decide, I'm going to serve the Lord, doesn't mean now everything's going to be wonderful. With most people, their lives were better before they ever met the Lord. After you trust Christ as Savior and you have eternal life, and then you dedicate your life to serving God, buddy, problems are coming. The devil is on his way. And it can be nothing but headaches for the rest of your life. Struggles in areas that didn't bother you before. Now it seems like everything will bother you. Because you see how many things are not right. And your discernment becomes very keen. And he says, and he that takes not up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. In other words, you don't deserve what God has. You don't deserve the best. Because you don't want the best. If you want the best in this life, then you're going to have to make him number one. If you don't, you can't have the best. You can crave it and desire it, but you won't have it. It'll flee from you. He says, he that will lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall find it. But you live for something else, and you won't have it. Yea, all that will live God in Christ, Jesus shall suffer persecution. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It means that the more you dedicate your life to serve God, you'll stop doing the things that are wrong. You'll start doing the things that are right. It'll help you. And if you're suffering because you're doing what's right, it means it kept you from doing the things that you shouldn't have been doing. Get so busy doing what God wants you to do and you won't have time to get in trouble. That you no longer should live the rest of your time in the lust of the flesh, but to the will of God. There's a division there. Not everybody is always going to have the same desire. And so therefore your decision to serve God may not be the same as your mate, may not be the same as your children. And it hurts. You suffer. But you have to make a decision. Do you love God more than anything else in this world? Even though it may cost you and cost you dearly. These are things to think about. For the past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When you were lost, you lived a certain way. Maybe nobody cared. Now that you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to understand wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. So just because you dedicate your life to the Lord, and you don't do the same things you used to do or go with the same people you used to do, it can bring you persecution and they can speak evil of you. And maybe even put a little Holy Joe, preacher, better than us. You'd be surprised what people will say, just to hurt, to hurt. And you're going to have to go through that. 
So we have all these things, but sometimes it's not always because you took a strong stand. Sometimes it's because of your own sin, such as pride and selfishness and unbelief, a lack of agape love, and a lack of forgiveness on your own part. Sometimes these divisions and these relations breakdowns is not because you're standing for the truth, but because you're wrong. Have you ever considered the possibility? Have you ever looked in the mirror and says, Thou art the person. You're the blame. And correct the problem. Because you see, a lot of people become deceived. They don't want to own up to it and admit and say those words that's so hard to say. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Aren't those hard words to say? But pride keeps you from doing it. And you'd rather just ruin a home, ruin kids, ruin a marriage, ruin a job, split a church, before you'll admit, I was wrong. Now I'm glad we don't have anybody like that here today. In connection with so many personal problems and relational breakdowns, and it's the sin of bitterness, because it is nothing but poison. It gets inside of you. The Bible says in Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 15, it says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. And this bitterness springing up, trouble you and defile other individuals. And it says, many become defiled because of this. So number one, bitterness troubles you. And bitterness bothers others. Because you contaminate others. It's like getting a virus, and everybody you get around will become part of your bitterness. And you'll get people to be bitter towards somebody that's never bothered you. Never said anything to you. They weren't a part of the problem. They're not a part of the solution. But there'll be people that will hate you because somebody else got bitter towards you and they spread that bitterness. That is a shame and a disgrace. But people will do this. It's like poison on the inside. That last statement down there. Bitterness involves an inward resentment due to real or perceived injustices or wrongdoings that causes grudges or an unforgiving spirit. That's a good definition of bitterness. Whether it's real or not real, it can be perceived. Have you ever thought your wife said or did something? Or your husband, I know he's guilty. I know he's guilty. He didn't come home when he said he was going to be home. I bet he's out with somebody. And then when he comes in, where have you been? I was at the church praying with the preacher. <laughs> That's a lightly story. And next thing you know, they're getting a divorce. Proceed. But it doesn't have to be real. But if you think it's real, you'll take actions as though it's real. Have you ever thought something about somebody and it's wrong? Have you heard somebody say something and you believed it? And, but you don't know if it was right or wrong, but you perceived it to be true. The damage that can be done. See, we're destroying ourselves. We're destroying our homes. Because, see, when 
Love waxes cold. Sin abounds and becomes very destructive. These are the words that come from this old sinful nature that we have. The Bible says this is a root of bitterness that comes up. The clamor, we could have used a lot of these words, but I wanted you to make sure you understood this one word of what it means. It's found in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. And it says, extreme hatred of the heart. Ill will that is unprovoked. Sometimes you are going to have people that will be so ill towards you and you never give them a cause. You don't know why. You'll never understand it. And they'll hate. Can carry grudges for years and years and have an unforgiving spirit. They'll never apologize. And so you can be bitter toward that person who hurt you. Or you can just forgive them because God has forgiven you and gone with life. And not hold it against them. Now, this is, this is a very important thing. Bitterness is like drinking poison and hope the other person dies. You understand what I'm saying? You're drinking the poison and you hope that other person, you hope they die from you drinking the poison. Bitterness is like cancer that eats on the inside of you. All of it's because we won't forgive them. We won't forgive. And what's the whole lesson about going to all the world and preach? The forgiveness of God. We are forgiven people. We're sinners but forgiven and that's why we're going to heaven. And think of how much peace would be in a home between mommy and daddy, between the kids and the parents, in the church, where you work, if people would just forgive each other. Cut them a little slack. Everybody's a sinner. Nobody's perfect. But sometimes we just get our magnifying glass out and we watch for any amount of dirt we can find on anybody and then magnify it. So, did you see that dirt? Did you see that dirt? You make a mountain out of a molehill. What's the difference between a mountain and a molehill? More dirt. As Freddie Claude would say, we're just made out of dirt. But he referred that just to the guys. For I perceive that thou art in the gall or the poison of bitterness and in the bonds of iniquity. Do you know what it does to you? It puts handcuffs on you. It puts handcuffs on you and you can't. Enjoy peace and joy and happiness because you're in the gall of bitterness. You've got poison and it's affecting your physical body. That's why I put in this little statement. Is it bad for the health? Is bitterness bad for your health? There's things the Bible talks about merriment is medicine for the soul. You want to be happy? Learn to forgive. Because if you don't, you'll be a bitter person. And you'll make other people bitter around you. Or you can spread peace and joy and love and happiness, things like that. But you've got to demonstrate what you understand between you and God. See, the characteristics of God's forgiveness is what helps us in all of these areas. Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness. Serving time for someone else's crime. Do you want people... To have the power to put you in jail. Think about it. He put me in jail and I got to stay here until he lets me out. You are going to allow somebody else to determine whether you have peace or joy or happiness. You see, it's a, 
It's a thought process. It's how you're thinking. If I told you right now, I got some good news for you, you just inherited a million dollars. Woohoo! But if I told you your loved one just died, make you sad. Happiness, sad, what you're thinking about. And so because of what you think about can destroy you. And there's some people who become so depressed, so depressed. I had somebody ask me, if I wanted to, could I come to you for counseling? I said, if you just come to church, you'll get counseling. Am I counseling y'all right now? And it doesn't cost you anything. We already got your offering. No, no. But if you listen to what I'm telling you, it'll help save your teenagers. It'll help save marriages. It helps save a lot of things. If you just listen. The Word of God is the counseling book. It's God telling us what works and telling us what doesn't work. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. Good verses. But now notice, your words can be smooth like butter, like butter. But the words can be bitter. And you'll find out that people can say wonderful, sweet things, but you know their heart's not right. I love you. I love you too. You just said that because I said it. Okay, I love you. You really mean it? Yeah. You haven't told me in years. When it changes, I'll tell you. (laughs) I told you the day we got married. You won't believe this. One day I had bought Betty a bunch of flowers, some roses. And she took one of them and she put it in a book. And she had it in there. And I don't know, about 35 years later, she showed it to me. I says, why don't you throw that thing away? She said, it was precious to me because you gave it to me for one of our anniversaries. I says, why don't you get rid of that thing? I'll go get you some more. So I got her 42 roses for our 42nd anniversary. I'm wondering how long these are going to last. So when you get 75, I think, well, I'll get her some more roses. I'm just joking. You know but I'm talking about learning to love. Not just say the right word, but it should be from the heart. And it's important. Now look at this statement. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. In your home, are you drawing the sword? Are you using butter? I told him this, and I'll mention this to you. When we have board meetings, I said, we never bring a hammer to board meetings. Only feathers. We're not coming to be hard on each other. We're coming to talk, discuss. And I think that's the way it ought to be. Now, these are some simple things that I believe are very important. Nobody can make you do right. Nobody can make you forgive anyone. But I would venture to say that everybody in here, sometime along the way, Probably in the last couple of weeks even, you could have hurt and offended somebody. You could have had a sharp word, a sharp tongue. 
Did you know that you can kill somebody with that little tongue right there? Because it has got poison on it. And it can do a lot of damage. And you can hurt your wife very easily. You can hurt your husband. Just a few words, sharp words, cutting, bitter. Now, I'm glad nobody here is guilty of anything like this. But if you have a problem, did you know that not only the person you said it to hurts them, but did you know that God saw that? And you also offended him. Because God wants you to demonstrate to that person that you live with, your children, children to the parents, forgive them, strike not back, not to avenge, but always remembering, I was forgiven by God, therefore I want to be like the Lord. Serving the Lord is trying to be to other people like God. So God is in heaven saying, I want you to forgive them for me. Uh, would you love that person for me? You know, God may send you somebody very unlovable. And God says, I want you to show them what real love is about. I'm going to let somebody that's really suffering, really hurting, they're going to hurt you. And I want you to show them how to forgive. I want you to show them how to walk with me. I want you to demonstrate to them my characteristics. Now, when you dedicate your life to the Lord, that's what you're doing. Whenever you got married, yeah, I remember. When you got married, for better or for, what's that other word? Worse. Richer or poor. And you say, I got poor, all right. And you'd be surprised how many things are supposed to be, and you forget. But you realize that whenever you get married before God, before God and these witnesses, before God and these witnesses, that means that God says, this is to be a Christian wedding. That's the only kind of weddings I know how to give. It's a Christian wedding. And I ask God, God, I want you to bless them. Help the man to be the kind of man he ought to be. Help the woman to be kind of the woman she's supposed to be. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless both of them, that they'll love you. Because the more they love you, and the closer they get to you, the closer they get to each other. And when things begin to separate you, it's because somebody's getting further away from the Lord. Get close to the Lord. Don't try to always prove you're right. Now, in your mind, you're going to do, I know I'm right, but honey, you're right. But if you can't convince her of that and be persuaded that she believes that, your phony didn't work. Be honest. When you're wrong, honey, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And then it's on her. And enjoy life. Have a happy marriage. Don't expect perfection from your husband or your wife or your children. They have sinful natures. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and this wallet represents sin. Now, we all have sin on us. God loves us. 
Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. You're supposed to love your wife, your husband, your kids. You don't have to love what they do wrong, but you love them, don't you? Do keep it separate. You love them. Always love them. I love you. You may not like the things that they do, but you still love them because God loves us and he hates our sin. And for us, the payment for sin was death, eternal separation from God. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We're all sinners. God says you can't save yourself. We're condemned. This hand representing Jesus Christ, he's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. So he took the sin and paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. He had paid the penalty for our sin, and he says, whosoever would believe it, you'll be forgiven. You'll be forgiven as though you never committed a sin, and you will get to go to heaven because there's no sin against you. I've forgiven you of all sin. Little sins, big sins, secret sins, all sin. They're all forgiven. I put them behind my back, moved as far as the east is from the west, and therefore never to be brought up again. Now, God can do that. But he wants us to learn how to demonstrate that a little bit in our lives. And sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do. It's not the easiest thing to do. Because there are some people that will hurt you deeply. And remember this, it's a walk with the Lord, not just one step. In your walk with the Lord, healing takes time. Even though you forgive somebody, healing takes time. Give it time. Forgive, but don't keep picking at the sore. You keep picking at it, it'll never heal. And some people are always picking, always picking, never heal. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that you would. I want you to accept God's forgiveness because we've all sinned against him. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child, you're going to heaven. But if you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord, would you right now say, I'm a sinner. I believe when Christ died, he died for me. And I'm going to trust him as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, if you'll do that, God said he would save you and give you eternal life. Would you believe it? Would you trust him? So with heads bowed and eyes closed, anyone at all, say, pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning. And preach I'd like you to pray for me. Would you slip in up very quickly and put it right back down? I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? With heads still bowed and eyes closed, maybe I've hit some of you right between the eyes. I have no desire to hurt anybody. But sometimes while I'm speaking, I believe God uses that. And maybe he said a few things to you. Maybe he had a, a few little pictures to show you. Maybe you saw somebody's face. Maybe you recall somebody's actions towards you or yours toward them. If you need to talk to the Lord about it, why don't you take just a moment? And we're going to just give you a moment. Talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I was wrong. I've wronged my husband, or I wronged my wife, or I wronged my kids. I wronged my parents. I admit it. And Lord, I've been carrying bitterness in my heart. Maybe you've been having some grudges, and you won't let it go. Why don't you take this moment right now and solve that problem? Our Father, we thank you so much for being so good to us and teaching us 
how to love each other and how to forgive. Lord, I pray your blessings upon each one here. Help them to get closer to you. And Lord, to accept your forgiveness. Not only to forgive others, but to forgive themselves. Because you forgive us. We ask your blessings upon each family, the children. And Lord, a lot of people are struggling. A lot of hard times we're having. We just pray that you'll give each one of them the strength and the grace that they need to do what's right. So bless each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, Part three will be next Sunday. I've I've had two parts of this, but next Sunday, number three, it'll be good for you. I guarantee you.